Radio Ramadan 365, the heart of Scottish Muslim radio all year round. Tune in to our new frequency, 1530 a.m. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to today's Ask the Sheikh program. I'm your host, Zubair. And inshallah, on this series of programs over the coming weeks, we'll be talking to different shiokh and different guests. And we'll be asking them questions about different topics. You can get in touch as well if you have any questions or anything that you want answered. You can uh, get in touch through Facebook or you can tweet us or you can email us. And certainly this kind of opportunity, I always say, doesn't come up very often where you can ask people, uh, like our scholars, uh, direct questions. So you're on Radio Ramadan 365 and our special guest today is uh, Brother Shoka Aksi. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Walaikum salam So okay, today you're on and we're going to discuss Hajj and Umrah. Hajj and Umrah is something sure. which uh, a lot of us, uh, we all, we, we've been to Umrah, a lot of us, and some of us have been to Hajj as well. Mm-hmm. But we're going mm-hmm. to try and explore those two uh, areas today and we're going to get your sure. thoughts on it as well. Sure. But can I just introduce you first of all? So sure. Brother Shoka sure. Aksi was born and bred in Glasgow um, after secondary school. Uh, he went to study Arabic and Islamic studies at the Islamic University of Medina and then went to study Islamic law at the European Institute of Human Sciences in France. After returning, he lectured Arabic at University of Glasgow and he also became the Muslim chaplain to the university. So currently, he volunteers in a number of different projects, mainly in youth work. And he's also working in the Hajj and Umrah sector with al Travels in Glasgow. Um, Shock at sad times at the moment. Uh, so what's happening very, with uh, Hajj and Umrah at the moment? Very, I mean, it's, this is a very, very unprecedented times, as we know, obviously, with um, this uh, pandemic. Um, it's affected not just, you know, a certain part of the world. It's affected everywhere, everything, everywhere and everything. Um, and particularly travel, obviously, um, it's a big thing. It's been affected at the moment currently. Um, as you know, flights and uh, travel to other countries is not encouraged at all. In fact, in certain cases, it's banned. Um, so, with Umrah previously as well, the situation was such that um, mid March, um, it was it was stopped basically by the Saudi government. Um, they they did it in a precautionary measure because um, they weren't affected by it in any major number. They just had a few cases. Um, but but what they did, they did, a, as I said, as a precautionary measure, they kind of banned, stopped it, and I wouldn't say banned it, but stopped um, Umrah bef- well before it got worse. Because as you can probably imagine, um, going to Umrah and being amongst so many people from so many different parts of the world, yeah. you know, that's 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 a hot spot for <laughs> for yeah, any course, any virus or any pandemic to say the least. So um, so rightly so. And and I get it, you know, they would have been in a catch-22 situation. Do we continue? Do we not? Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, as I said, as a precautionary measure, they decided that that's it. No, we're not, we're not, doing, we're not doing Umrah anymore. Right. Um, not only that, as you know, this is Ramadan. This is one of the busiest periods, as you know, Zubair, in Makkah and Medina as well for travel. Uh, people want to spend time in the house of Allah and the, the Prophet Sallallahu Masjid. Um, in these in the in these beautiful days of Ramadan, but however, even that Subhanallah is unprecedented. We have an absolute lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you've probably seen some pictures of uh, coming through Facebook. Yeah, and no, I've seen the uh, I've seen Sarawi. the live feed from Makkah as well. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah, to I see mean, just heartbreaking. The Haram is. I mean, that Mataf, the place that you did the is is empty. <laughs> yeah. When have you ever 
or ever witnessed anything like that. We have, I mean, we've never witnessed it in our lifetime. No. Um, and I don't think so. We'll see it for another good few years, you know, subhanAllah. But, um, but that's, that's how far, that's how far this, this pandemic is, has reached, you, got, you know, is to the point of where even the House of Allah Spantana and the Prophet of Islam's masjid is closed. Um, and so when it comes, time, uh, so when it comes, Shaukat, to the Umrah, you're saying it's been closed since March. So there's no news yeah. on Umrah or Hajj then, because Hajj is only what two and a half Currently, months. Currently, I mean, obviously, with with the Hajj situation, it's neither on or off. I mean, what the what the advice advice from the Saudi Ministry is, um, mm. Saudi Ministry of Hajj and Umrah, is that for uh, agencies and people who are organising Hajj not to take any more bookings, right. um, because they would decide. Hopefully by mid Ramadan, something like that. We're hoping the sooner the better. They'll decide to let us know exactly if um, if Hajj is on or not. I mean, we need to know if it's on. It's fine if it's not. That's fine as well. So we can yeah. take measures of um, dealing with our customers and clients and people who have booked on to Hajj and, and, and get things going that way. Because at the moment, mm-hmm. you know yourself, it's like, you know, it's a, it's, we're just hanging in midair. No, no agency, nobody knows what's Not going on. Not knowing what's going on. And, so, and so it's see the, to just make a decision and go for it. Yeah, so. yeah no, absolutely. See the people who have booked up for Hajj and maybe they've uh-huh, been looking uh-huh. forward to it for many years. Yeah. And, you know, Hajj is one of these things. It's once in a lifetime. Uh, journey sure. that you undertake. I mean, how how would you reconcile those those people who have uh, waited for so long and now it seems like uh, it's, yeah. it may not even happen? No, obviously we're to- totally empathic pe- towards people like that, particularly obviously who are going for the first time, who have mm-hmm. probably spent years saving up for Hajj because, as you know, Hajj is not the cheapest tra- tra- form of travel at the moment. Yeah. Um, so people have probably spent many years um, saving, many years deciding. Um, taking time out from work, you know, organizing um, annual leave, and you know all the rest of it. It's not, it's not yep. easy. It take out, you know, two or three weeks um, from your from your, from work or anything like that at all. So people have made a lot of effort um, in in mm-hmm. preparing for Hajj and getting ready for Hajj, and then all of a sudden this 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 news um, or this situation that we're in, the current situation we are in. Yep. How do we manage that? And how do we deal with that? And as I said, with customers we're, we're empathic in the sense that obviously. They've made all this effort, and we can only only sincerely say, you know, whatever is decided is not mm-hmm. e- even for the Saudis. Whatever they decide is from Allah. You know, if you get what I'm saying, in the sense that you're okay. going to visit the house of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and if He doesn't, and you know, if it doesn't happen this year, you know, mm-hmm. khair, inshallah, you can hopefully Allah will give you another opportunity another year, um, or when you're in a better situation in terms of your iman and faith and things like that as well. I mean, um, you know, it's always there's all, we've always got to look in a positive way. Um, mm-hmm. If you start looking at a negative way, why this, that, and other, you know, we could go on for, you know, complain about these things for for years to come. But yeah, what I would say to people is be positive about it. Absolutely. Um, and on and on a practical level as well, a lot of agencies are doing a lot of work in the sense that, um, you know, if if God forbid, we're not sure. And I'm not saying it is, but if the Hajj is cancelled, then there are steps that a lot of agencies are taking of a kind of partial refund or um, mm-hmm. deferring to next year or whatever. So there's options on the table, if you get what I'm saying. So, yeah, um, no, But course, again, once the decision is made, that's when we can obviously start um, start making a move in regards to what we can do um, okay. for people who are traveling for Hajj. No, I'm sure, I'm sure, like you're saying, I'm sure the people that are listening understand that uh, Hajj is no different to anything else. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah, in a state yeah. at the moment where everything is yeah. locked down, travel, I mean, anywhere. as I said, no, no one knows that's the problem. Yeah, no one that's, knows. That's I don't the think the Saudi, Saudi government know right now what decision they're going to take. 
I think um, just uh, I think just making uh, dua during this month. Maybe, yeah, inshallah, absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. Inshallah, may Allah, may Allah make it easy. I mean, I mean. So listen, let's just go back to um, we've had uh, questions you see coming from previous listeners over the years, and uh, especially about Hajj and Umrah. And there's a lot of kind of um, um, people people get anxious when it comes to Hajj because they know that they have to mm-hmm. do it because it's one of the five pillars. Yep. Uh, but let's but let's just go back to what it is. I mean. For people who maybe haven't ever been to Hajj or haven't planned to go to Hajj or even to Umrah, so what's sure. the difference then between Hajj and Umrah? Then what's uh, you know people um, do all the time? But what's the difference? Like, the difference? The difference between the two is such that um, um, you know how they call it in English: the, the smaller Hajj, and, uh, smaller pilgrimage, and the bigger pilgrimage. Mm. Um, the big pilgrimage or the small pilgrimage. So Hajj obviously is a big one. Um, Umrah is such where, as you know, you can you can do Umrah any time of the year by visiting the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm-hmm. and fulfilling some rites when you get to Makkah. Um, obviously, Umrah itself just takes a few hours, three, four hours max probably. Right. Um, and that's you fulfill the rituals. So, for example, you, as you know, you have to make intention before you get to the, the area of Makkah. Um, and you have to be in the state of Ihram. you got to do the Tawaf, which is circumambulating around the Kaaba seven times mm-hmm. the Sa'i the Safa running between Safa and Marwa seven times and the shaving the head or trimming the head or, or just merely cutting the, cutting some hair for women um, right. so these these are the simple rites of Umrah and as I said Umrah can be done any time of the year it's not restricted to time if you get what I'm saying it's not restricted mm-hmm. to any particular month of the year um, whereas Hajj is Hajj is not only just for three or four uh, it's not about just about three or four days. It's restricted to a time of the year as well. So that time of the year is the only time that you can do Hajj. So you can't decide to do Hajj. For example, if you even hear people, you know, when is Hajj coming into Ramadan? It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, that can't happen, <laughs> believe it or not. Whereas, you know, because Hajj is the last month of the Islamic calendar. Ramadan, mm-hmm. the month that we're in just now, is the ninth month of the Islamic calendar. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hajj, as you know, is the 12th month. It's the final month of the year um, right. and it's in this month and not even in the whole month but it's in the first week or so or the first 10 days where it right. counts where Hajj is so for example as we know that the ninth of the Hijjah is the day of Arafah and right. Arafah is what Hajj is all about as the Prophet mentioned that Hajj or Arafah that Hajj mm. is the Arafah is Hajj when you spend that time in that moment in that sacred place that's what counts as Hajj and again, you have many different rituals, I'm sure, which we'll talk about later on in yep, regards yep. to Hajj that are more than Umrah. Because Umrah, as I said, is three or four hours. You get it done and that's you. Whereas Hajj is a matter of three or four days, um, if not more. But as I said, inshallah, we'll talk about some of we'll those. We'll talk about those, that in uh, a minute. Particular them, okay, brilliant. Yeah. We have uh, Brother Shokit with us uh, as a guest on our program, Ask the Sheikh, today. Um, we run every Monday to Thursday in English and then from Friday to Sunday um, in Urdu and it's 6 to 7 p.m. on Radio Ramadan 365. If you have any questions that you want to ask about any topics uh, of an Islamic nature, just get in touch with us through Facebook, Twitter or email. And what we'll do is we'll keep your questions and then pose them to any of the shows that come on any future programs. Sheikh, we just talked about um, the Umrah. So um, Umrah can be done over a few hours, you were saying, uh, in terms yeah. of... Now, you can go yourself, or do you recommend going with a group? Um, I think um, that's a lot of people do tend to ask that question, you know, about Umrah, about should we go as a group or travel alone? I mean, now, nowadays, I mean, if you want to travel alone, you can do You can get a visa online. You can book hotels through booking.com and various others. 
um, right. you know, hotel websites, comparison websites, um, and you can organise travel when you get there between Mecca, Jeddah to Mecca and Mecca to Medina and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you are going for the first time, I would recommend to go as a group. Um, the reason being that usually with a group, um, if there's anything that you, you know, if you, you, you're going to a place you've never been before um, and you're spending a lot of money and you kind of want to get it right if you've got someone there who can guide you through your first experience of Umrah. Um, so I would recommend people who are going for the first time um, to go with a group and travel with a group um, because the benefits of that are many as I said you're going for the first time you don't know your you know you don't know where you're going or where you're coming from sometimes um, yeah. if anything happens in a trip at least you've you know the responsibilities with the group leader you can you can t- take it easy and relax yeah. um, and when you get to Mecca you know you've got that guidance as well through doing your Umrah for the first time um, also maybe there's a tour of some type as well usually you do your ziyaras um, your visits of the different sites within Mecca, then obviously when you get to Medina, the different sites. And usually with, mm-hmm. with, with good tour guides, they'll give you, a, um, you know, a, a, a talk or a reminder or give you some guidance about what these things are. So it gets you to, get, you know, it helps you to kind of get a feel of the place as well, rather than kind of going there, doing your thing and kind of coming back. Whereas if you go with a guide, it kind of helps a little bit as okay. in terms of guidance and in terms of knowing the place as well. Because you want to have that, as well as that spiritual feeling, but that understanding of the places and where you're going to, yeah, um, yeah. and in in places, for example, as we know, where the Prophet went to, where he sat, where mm-hmm. he did certain things, where you know he went to certain places, all these kind of things, and you want to get a feel of that. And sometimes yeah. when you go on your own, and you hear that something, people don't know what's going on, and also you hear sometimes horror stories of people going on their own when they've made bookings and things like that, and. And no, no disrespect, but you know, you know myself, you know, and you know yourself and myself. The Saudis are not most efficient when it comes to kind of like bookings and these kind of things. There's a lot of error and mistakes happening. And no, I've had situations where people phone me up and say, "Look, we're in Mecca and we haven't got a hotel booking. We did it on Booking.com." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I really can't help you. All you got to do is get another booking, pay for another hotel." You know, so sometimes you get that. So whereas if you do it through a group or through a agency or a group, they will do all that beforehand and you don't have to stress or worry about any of that kind of stuff. Okay, very good. Um, you're listening to Radio Ramadan 365 and we're talking about Hajj and Umrah today with Brother Shaka Aksi. Uh, Shaka, you mentioned about the Umrah, uh, a question which has come up in the past and uh, a lot sure. of people ask this question is that, you know, would you recommend that people save up uh, to go to Hajj or would you recommend that they maybe go and do and perform Umrah first? Um, See this, this, this. this. <laughs> Everyone's got a different opinion regarding this. What did What did you do first? What did you do first? I I I did I did Hajj first actually. Um, oh okay, mashallah. The way I looked at it, and this is again something that I see myself personally was, it's an obligation. Um, Umrah is not an obligation. Umrah is not a pillar of Islam. Umrah is not a fard. Um, it's not wajib or anything like that at all. It's just a, a nafil. In fact, a sunnah. If you want to do Umrah. Um, and and so it's entirely up to yourself if you're in a financial situation where you can manage to do Umrah and you know that in a few years time you can go for Hajj that's fine but uh, personally speaking I would say make sure you do your Hajj I mean if you're saving save for Hajj um, I know Umrah is a lot cheaper I mean Umrah practically is what you know just over a thousand pounds twelve hundred thirteen fourteen hundred pounds whereas 
Hajj, obviously, as we said, the prices are a little bit more. It's £5,000 plus you're talking about. You're not going to get less than 5000 anywhere now mm-hmm. in regards to Hajj. So it's, it is a marginal difference in terms of price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but however, um, you know, it's, it's one of those decisions that you would have to make. But I would personally say um, do a Hajj first, sorry, because as I said, it's an obligation upon you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this whole thing about doing Hajj when I'm older as well, you know, sometimes we've got that in our community and in our, our sort of culture as well that people think, you know, I'll wait till I'm in my 50s and 60s or even 70s to do my Hajj. Right. You know yourselves about from experience myself that when you get to a certain age, it gets more challenging and it gets more difficult. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, oh, yeah. And what I, again, would recommend is people in their, in their mid mid-30s, you know, 40s, whatever, something like that. Even you can do it younger than that, that's brilliant. But, you know, the point is that do Hajj when you're still physical, a- physically able to kind of do good, you know, de- you know, walk a lot, um, you know, if, yeah. God forbid, something happens, you're able to pick up yourself and get on with what you need to do. Instead yeah. of being reliant on other people. Um, because, remember, people are going to Hajj, you know, it's, and it's like somebody said, it's that kind of nufsy-nufsy. It's myself, mm-hmm. myself, and myself. You know what I mean? It's like, everybody's out for themselves when it comes to Hajj. You know, nobody's really looking out for the next person. Yeah. So really, it's a case of whereby if you are really going for Hajj and you're sincere about it, do it in an age where you're physically able to travel and physically Absolutely. able to kind of do Hajj in a, in a, in a proper way. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's 50s and 60-year-olds who can't do Hajj. Of course they can. But yeah. as I said, you know yourself, when you get to a certain age, it's kind of, it was a bit more challenging. Especially, I remember Hajj nowadays as well and for the good next God knows how many years. It's going to be in the hottest days um, in terms of climate-wise in Saudi. Um, Absolutely. You, last year, it was extremely hot. It was like 52, 53 degrees some days. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, we were blessed. It rained in, um, uh, in the day of Arafah, if you remember, and it rained on... Um, yes. Yeah, the day of Arafah, it rained. And uh, on the day <laughs> after that, the day of Nahar, it rained mm-hmm. as well. So Alhamdulillah, we were blessed this last year. Um, but that's not guaranteed every year because it is, as I said, in the hottest period you can possibly imagine in Saudi at the moment. Okay, I had a, a question that came in from uh, a friend of mine who was uh, wanting to clarify this. He was saying that um, his uh, a friend of his is not really spiritually ready, he feels, to go to Hajj uh, Umrah. So his, uh, okay. his mum wants him to take, uh, to take her to Hajj, okay. uh, inshallah, whenever Hajj opens, inshallah, either this year or next. But he's saying okay. that he's not ready for it. Um, he's okay. not practicing. He yeah. uh, doesn't really have a feeling to go, but then he feels that kind of uh, emotional pressure from his mum to take, to take to go his mom, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what would you, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who maybe doesn't feel like they're ready to go? Um, someone who might be in that situation, I would think um, is, uh, I can understand obviously with the situation that they might not be, you know, mentally ready. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't be ready for Hajj. I mean, obviously, you've intended to go to Hajj. You probably intended. Your mum's probably said, you know, Beta, you come with me because I need a mahram, for example, or, or I need or support else. when I'm there. Yeah. You know, yeah, I need support when I'm there. I need somebody from the family to go and, and, and you know, has to be a male and you're the only person that can go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is like kind of, you know, forcing them to go or bending their elbow, bending their arm to kind of go with you. Yeah. Um, but in that situation, what I would advise the your brother or, or uh, in that situation is that um, you know at least try um, to prepare yourself mentally to some degree or another um, maybe start reading up about it lying about it um, listen to some people about it 
talk to friends about it who have been to Hajj before perhaps, um, who right. have been through that experience because sometimes just by hearing somebody's story, that can change people. Just hearing someone else's experience can really be uplifting for someone else and maybe that could mm. change their perception a little bit as well and about how important it is for them that you know they have some yep. intention or some some purpose of going because the word hajj in arabic al-hajj is means maqsad which means purpose or an intent or an mm. intention because that's what it's all about is that you intending to go to the house of allah mm. um you know uh, 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 to, to, to the house of allah so that intention is always it's got to be there in terms of obviously traveling for hajj you know you make that intention when you get to the miqat and various other things but right. having that overall intention of what's going to what's going to happen in hajj the days of hajj you know is is what's really really going to um, uh, help him to kind of get to that level before he gets there. i mean i'm not yeah. saying that you know he's going to be perfect maybe yeah. if he has maybe allah will bless him another opportunity in, in a few years time again that's yeah. fine but at least if you're going with your mum and, and you've not really got that intent, try, try, you know, try this word to make, you know, read about Hajj, find out about Hajj. As I said, speak to other people who've experienced Hajj. You know yourselves out there. Everyone's got a story about Hajj, you know, an experience no, or a, 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 a sort of affirmation or a sort of, you know, a, a touch from God, so to speak. Yeah, you know, yeah. this was my experience of Hajj. And sometimes hearing that, we just kind of, wow, I, I want, you know, it's, I want to go to Hajj, you know, it's that mm. kind of thing. So it could change people's, uh, true, people's perception true. very, very much. Yeah. And I think ultimately maybe just make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, facilitates it exactly. for you. Um, because yeah. we know so many people shock at the plan to go and never, uh, yeah. never invited. So ultimately it's, you know, whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites you or not, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned the mahram. So a mahram is, uh, explain to listeners who a mahram is and whether or not ladies... Uh, for example, can go to Hajj and Umrah without a mahram. I mean, how does yeah, sure. that work? Um, we, we did. Yeah, mahram is basically someone who accompanies a, a woman when travelling for Hajj, um, and um, usually it's um, someone who she can't marry. Is, is, she's unmarriable to. So, like for example, a nephew or a son or father or um, our own husband. Obviously, she's married to him. Um, you know, a grandfather, something like that. So it's basically someone who who, who she can't marry. That's that's a mahram, and um, th- that's that that's a tradition in the sense of the sunnah that you travel when you travel for a Hajj or Umrah that you have someone with you. Um, and not only is it just a condition that way, but also in terms of practically as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to safeguard her and uh, you know if a, any situation arises. At least she's got the company of a male uh, family member, because um, anything can happen, as you know. People can get unwell, mm-hmm. you know. God forbid if an accident happens, or or just anything, you know. You're traveling from one place to another, you know. You want to kind of be reassured with the company of 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 um, a male family member, so to speak. Okay. Um, but saying that, um, as you know, right now the Saudi government allow women who are the age of forty-five and over. To travel and Hajj, excuse me. Yeah. To travel and Hajj and Umrah on their own if they want to, um, but even at that, that condition that they're given is that the group has to have a number of women travelling within it already. I mean, right. they can't, you can't really have like all guys than one woman. It's over forty-five travelling all these guys. It has yeah. to be a case where it has to be a number of women travelling, and that sometimes allowed as well. 
Islamically mm-hmm. as well, where people say if there is a large number of women in the in in the group or um in that in that um yeah. in, in in that group, then obviously she's allowed to travel on her own um with that group. And you've seen that sometimes. I mean, particularly with um the the far eastern countries like Indonesia and Malaysia, mashallah, yeah, it's like yeah. one guy and about <laughs> ten, 10 women with them. You're like, wait, That's my true. God, certainly he's not married. To 10 women. And you need to get out of their way during the tawaf. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. So this, the, the, there is there is sort of leniency there for people, and everybody's got to take their situation at hand because we do get people, women particularly, asking, you know, I don't have anybody or I'm a revert to Islam or a convert yeah. to Islam. You know, so everybody's situation is different. So you've got to take it and see what you can do with it in terms of obviously um, being real and being practical um, when it comes to comes to the uh, travel for Umrah. Okay, brilliant. We're talking to Brother Shoka Axi today about Hajj and Umrah. Uh, you're listening to Radio Ramadan 365, the Ask the Sheikh program. Uh, we're going to go to a short ad break and inshallah we'll be back um, in a few minutes. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome back to the Ask the Sheikh program. Uh, today's special guest is Brother Shoka Axi. Assalamu alaikum, Shokit. Wa alaikum And we're talking about Hajj and Umrah. So in the first part of the program, we've uh, discussed a few things about the Umrah. Um, whether or not it's more important to travel in a group, uh, what Umrah involves, what are the differences between uh, Hajj and Umrah, and of course the Mahram situation as well. Mm-hmm. A Mahram mm-hmm. is somebody that uh, a lady has to have with a male member of the family that she can't marry, uh, who has to travel with her. And I, and I reckon mm-hmm. that's uh, not only Islamically, but also according to the Saudis as well, you have to have somebody yeah. with um, So I was just going to ask you a question. It was a question that one of the listeners sent in uh, a while back, and he was saying that, he he knows that Hajj is obligatory. Uh, mm-hmm. He knows that he needs to go to Hajj uh, once in once in his life. But because they've got younger children, uh, he's mm-hmm. saying, should he wait for his wife uh, until the children maybe get a little bit older and they can stay with members of the family and then take his wife as well? Or sure. if he has the money now, should he just go by himself? Okay. Um. I mean, a question like that obviously is something where I think as a couple, better to decide so I cause yeah. any friction between couples, but you get the idea. It's something they can decide amongst themselves. Either um, they go, the, he goes or he, she, she, want, she should go with him. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's advantages and disadvantages both sides. Advantages such that he, as a person, as a Muslim, he's mature, he's balik, he's, he's sane, he's fulfills all the rights as a Muslim and as a person traveling to Hajj. He has a financial means, he has a physical means of traveling to Hajj. Um, and in some ways, he should take that opportunity on his own. I know it sounds difficult, right. <laughs> it sounds a bit harsh, but the reason is that you do, know not, you do not know what the future can hold in regards to your, your health and well-being, your financial situation. Um, so in this situation, my advice to the brother is that go for Umrah, go for Hajj, complete your Hajj, inshallah, and make dua when you get there that next time you come, you come with your wife. <laughs> you know, um, but I think as an obligation because it is a pillar, it is a fard. Mm-hmm. It's like your prayer. You don't you don't miss prayer. You don't miss your zakat. You don't miss your Ramadan because of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with Hajj as well. And and I, as I said, I know it's a difficult situation because the wife would love to go. But obviously, due to the kids and other commitments, it's a bit difficult. Mm-hmm. But if he's in a situation where he can travel, he should travel um, for uh, for for Hajj and complete his obligation. So that way, as I said, he's completed his pillar. Um, for 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 the wife, his partner, his spouse, then 
Inshallah, you know, as I make dua, maybe, maybe it won't be him, maybe, maybe it was his father-in-law who takes his daughter, maybe it could be her brother who takes, I know situations where, you know, the husband's not gone, but the brother, you know, brother's gone, um, yep. taking his sister, who's, who, you know, for, for Hajj, or maybe her son, or some, you know, it, 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 it's not just due, there's other opportunities, if you get what I'm saying, and yep, other yep. people who can take them for Hajj. I know as a husband, you feel you're obliged and it's your obligation and stuff like that. But, you know, a father, inshallah, if he's still there, then maybe he's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. Our, our brother, that's yeah, an opportunity. Yeah. Her son, when she gets older, that's another opportunity. So it's not a case of whereby it's only the husband that she can go with and she can't go with anyone else. So there is other possibilities okay. and opportunities for her to travel um, to Hajj with other people. So And I think, I I think one of the... Him, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, so, so for I think, him, as I said, it's an obligation. So he should really, if he's got that, you know, as I said, as it says in the Quran, "Al-Hajjun Istidaat Ilahi Sabila." Istidaat is the thing about physically and financially able to. And if you're in that situation, take it, because as mm-hmm. I said, you don't know what the future can hold. Yeah, you don't know what can happen. God forbid, you know, your health can, whatever reason, deteriorate. You might not financially be in that situation anymore. Um, so. If you're in that situation, recommendation is definitely to, to make that. I, I, I think for a lot of people as well, it's the financial uh, commitment for Hajj because yeah. Uh, yeah. it is so expensive. And I'm going yeah. to ask you about that in a minute. But because Hajj seems to be so expensive, I think yeah. a lot of people want to try and plan uh, when to go. And they, and they do think yeah. to themselves, well, you know, if I wait, then maybe we can save up for both of us to go. And uh, but then, but then, talking about the expense of Hajj Shaka, why is it that Hajj seems to have become more and more expensive? When when yeah. you went to Hajj, uh, how much? How much did you, you pay? How much was it? You need to tell me. <laughs> you need to tell I us. I went to Hajj in uh, my first Hajj. Subhanallah, <laughs> it was in 1989, 1990, 1989. I wasn't even born. Like, I wasn't even born. Oh, you're not even born. I don't know. Um, but it was. Um, it was. I think nine hundred and seventy-five oh, pounds or something like that. Me. Something, Stop it, man. <laughs> something, something is as cheap as that. Um, there was 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 my first Hajj, remember? And oh, um, it was it was such a great experience, alhamdulillah. Um, but then, as he said, since then, Subhanallah, it's just been uh, unbelievable. Why is that? Well, why why has the, why has the price gone up so much? I mean, the price has gone up for a number of different reasons. Is um, obviously, I mean, prices do tend to go up anyway for any commodity, any product, any mm-hmm. travel prices has uh, ha- have gone up by so many times. But unfortunately, during uh, unfortunately with Hajj, it's um, it's. You know, as, as well as the spiritual side and all these kind of things, that is a business for a lot of people as well. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is that um, the Saudi government, for example, they have what they call a Hajj draft. Mm-hmm. Um, that's inflated so many times over, over the last few years as well. That's going up. Um, obviously, you're traveling by air. So the airline, um, the normal ticket for Umrah would cost you, or Hajj would uh, travel to Saudi, would cost you about five, six hundred pounds. That doubles, um, yeah. sometimes triples during Hajj. Mm. Um, hotels, you know yourself, some of the hotels as well, depending on what kind of standard the hotel, a five star or an economy package, then that varies. But even at that, you know, don't think that the economy package hotels are doing you a favor by being cheaper or not. I mean, <laughs> you can yeah. get a hotel room in, in Saudi during Umrah for like 300 riyals a night, even less than that, 150 mm-hmm. riyals a night. But that same room during Hajj will te- be 10 times more expensive. You know, it'd be yeah. three thousand riyals for a night. You know, it's stuff like that. So it's like, 
everybody's making money. The airlines making money. The hotels are making money. The government's making money. Mm. And I know sometimes people give a travel agents a hard time. They're making a cut. Obviously, this it's a business for them as well. But they're trying to make it because it's competitive as well. Market. You know yeah. yourselves a pair. You've got to watch what price you put and stuff like that. Of course, so of course. Everybody's making their money whatever way. And due to that, that's where obviously the inflation has happened over the years. Yeah. And uh, well, the other thing is, uh, people, as I said, who keep saying, I'll, I'll wait till next year, wait till next year. Trust me, next year will come, the price will go up. And a year <laughs> after that, the price will go up again. It will keep going up, sadly, um, mm. for a good number of years before it kind of sort of, you know, yeah. flatlines somewhere. I don't know where, but you know, as I said, and, and that's another thing that don't hold back. You know, if you've got the opportunity yeah. and the financial gains, maybe next year I'll go up by quite a bit and you might not have that financial, you know, yeah. so uh, take the opportunity. support there. Take the opportunity. Yeah. Take the opportunity Absolutely. Yeah. Now, when it comes to uh, Hajj itself, I mean, we talk about Hajj like it's, uh, it's you know, an, an incredibly difficult journey. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the tour companies such as yourself, al Travels and that, they try and make it as easy as possible for the Hajjis that go with them. Um, but And you also, you mentioned in the first part of the program that uh, for people who are physically able, um, even for people who are physically able, it can be tough uh, with the weather as well. So in terms of pre- preparing for Hajj, I mean, what yeah. advice would you give to somebody who maybe is thinking about going and how to ready themselves? Um, I think this this kind of two, two when we when people book with us or, or or want to go to Hajj, usually what I do see them is two things that you got to do for Hajj. Mm-hmm. As I said, it's a it's a, it's a spiritual journey, but also it's a very physically demanding journey as well. So you got to take it in both ways, spiritually in the sense that um, learn about Hajj as much as you can, know what Hajj is. Um, obviously, you learn the practical side of Hajj, where you know day 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 one we'll do this, day two, day three, blah blah blah. You know, and obviously with with a group, you'll get that reminder and be told that as you go through each day. But the spiritual side is only something that you, as a person, as an individual, can really make make a difference or make it count. So learn about Hajj and why you're going. So remind yourself of your journey, and your effort, your journey, and why you're making this effort. You're spending a lot of money, first of all. You're making this time out to go to this journey and it's physically demanding. So why are you doing all this? You know, why are you making this effort? And ultimately, in the presence of other spans, I know we're not in the presence here in Glasgow or in wherever else, but you're going to the house of Allah and that's an invitation once in a lifetime for some people. Um, so you can't let that go. You can't underestimate how important that is. So find out about Hajj, find out about the obligations. Again, speak to other people about their experience of Hajj and how they mm-hmm. felt. Maybe there's something uplifting that someone will say or maybe you'll have a shared experience with someone else as well that you, you know, once speaking to them. So mm-hmm. having a spiritual um, preparation is very important as well. That's very important. And then the physical one, as I said as well, is very important as well. Um, so for example, as I said, we're going to a very different climate from Glasgow. We're going to Saudi, extremely hot. Prepare for the heat you know, hydrate, drink a lot of water, that kind of stuff. Do a lot of walking. We tell, we encourage a lot of clients, do walking, walk a lot. Get out there, you know, walk a lot. Prepare yourself because, you know, as you know, some days I've had, there's a lot of walking involved. In fact, on the 10th day particularly, you know, yeah. you're walking up to 8 or 9, possibly 12 kilometers, you know, on that one day. And it is really something that's really difficult upon people. You see it sometimes, people are in wheelchairs and various other things, but, you know, mm-hmm. prepare for it physically. 
And inshallah, if you do do those two things, you will be, you know, you will have a, a great experience of Hajj, a positive yeah. experience of Hajj as well. And one other thing, final thing about Hajj, I would say, yeah. and I always say this to people, as you know, Sabir, mm -hmm. patience, be mm -hmm. patient, because <laughs> you're going to a place, as I said, you've never been before, mm -hmm. and you will see all sorts of weird and wonderful things happening. <laughs> people doing weird and wonderful things. There's people from all over the world, cultures, traditions, people from parts of the world you've never probably heard of, you've probably never met in your life. People get up to all sorts of, do all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Um, but be patient. And not only that, sometimes you have to be patient within your group as well. What I mean by that is that Mm -hmm. As as you know, as organizers for Umrah as well, and you know this as well, Zubair, yeah. you know, and, I, and I say this to the groups all the time as well, is that there's certain things that are within our control as group leaders that we mm -hmm. can say, you know, the hotel or this, that, and other, we can control. But in Hajj, there's even certain things that are out of our control you know, <laughs> yeah. as group leaders. You know that yourself, yeah, Zubair, absolutely. from experience. You know, there's certain things that are even out of our control that we can't control. Mm. You know, but yet we'll... we'll the buck stops with us, obviously, as group, the group, you know, as group leaders, because why is this yeah. not happening? Why is the bus not here? The bus should have been in an hour ago. I can't be bothered <laughs> waiting in this heat. You know, it's like, but I can't make a bus appear. You understand? Yeah. It's just because it's not just you. Remember, it's not just you. There's like two million, three million other people doing the same thing <laughs> as you are yeah. doing. So let's get real. Let's get you know. Everybody's you know. Everybody's got to be a bit patient and bit a bit of tolerance when it comes. Absolutely, to this, absolutely. This so and that's you the best. Prepare for that. <laughs> yeah. Prepare for that as well, big time. Yeah. Hundred percent. So that's a message from Brother Shocket who's with us as a guest today, uh, talking about Hajj Umrah. It's all about patience. Uh, you're listening to the Ask the Sheikh program. Uh, on Radio Ramadan 365. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, on Twitter, or you can email us any questions or issues that you might want to raise or have asked on your behalf to any of the shiuch that appear uh, on the following weeks on our programme. So this programme is running from Monday to Thursday in English, 6 to 7 p.m., and from Friday to Sunday in Urdu as well. So today, like I said, we have Brother Shokit and we're talking about Hajj and Umrah. Now, we've talked about Umrah, we've talked about... Um, uh, hajj a little bit, but I'd like to go into a bit more detail as well. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the actual rights of the Hajj, um, sure. so you know, you see people on 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 TV when they're when the days of Hajj are normally yeah. not not under certain yeah. circumstances as we have just now. But normally, what you'll see is you see loads of people, uh, obviously doing the tawaf going around the Kaaba, um, mm -hmm. and you'll also see them kind of standing uh, in a place on this kind of like hill. Um, yeah. And so, and, and I believe that's in Arafah. So, what can you tell us more about the different types of places that you go to during sure. Hajj? Sure. Um, Bismillah. With the, with the rights of Hajj, um, as we said, with Umrah, it's very, as I said, short and sweet. In a few mm -hmm. hours, you get Umrah done, and that's you. Whereas Hajj, as I said, this is where the spiritual, the, the physical, and the mental preparation begins. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, as I said, Hajj is on a specific time specific month and a specific day as well or days um so usually the tradition is on the ritual of hajj is that everybody gets into ihram on the eighth day of dhul hijjah mm -hmm. and travel to mina mina is the place where you what's the sorry pictures. what's the ihram the ihram sorry beg your pardon the ihram is the <laughs> um, the two white cloths that, right. um, that men wear um and it's something that you do as you as you know for umrah as well that you prepare yourself by wearing the two white cloths and izar, a lower garment and an upper garment, unstitched, um, white, and um, as I said, 
whatever materials you found comfortable, kind of folding material, whatever kind of cotton material, whatever you want to do, and then um, you wear them for the days of Hajj. Um, and for women, they don't have to wear those. Women can wear their normal clothes um, as as they wish. And um, they, uh, but the most important thing with uh, with the ihram is that you make that intention before. Um, when you put it on, you make that intention and, and, and that's you in the state of ihram. And when you're in the state of ihram, that means there's certain things you can't do. So, for example, you can't cut your nails, you can't ha shave your heads or trim your, trim your beard. Um, you can't, if you're traveling with a partner, you can't uh, be intimate. Um, you can't kill animals or cut down trees. Um, you can't wear perfumes. Um, you can't use soap. Um, so it's to be in a very specific state because you're going in the presence as as you know that when you say or when you go into ihram what do we all recite we say labaik allahumma labaik labaik la sharika lak labaik that word labaik means i am here i am in your presence ya allah and you're in a presence in allah in a state that you know is very different from your normal state so that's mm -hmm. that's you being in ihram so when you're hajj as i said on the eighth day you go into that state of ihram Mm -hmm. And then you stay, spend the night in Mina, which is where all the tents are. You've probably seen where the tents with the lovely ACs. So you stay there. Um, and when you're in Mina, it's a case of whereby usually it's a tent with many, many other people in there. And it's usually quite, it's not a spacious tent. You've not got your own <laughs> quarter. You've just got a bed. <laughs> and it's you and many other people. So, don't expect, so don't expect your own tent then. No, don't expect your own tent. Because um, sometimes we get people, well, uh, me and my wife, in our own tent. I'm like, <laughs> not in Mena, that's not happening. You know, so it's like um, you share with other people. So usually men and women are segregated as well because obviously all the men are together and all the women are together. You spend the night there and then the ninth day is the most important day of Hajj, which, as I said, is called the day of Arafah. And this is the day, as Uber said, about you go to a specific space, place where you stand between Dohar up to Maghrib, you stand there and you call upon Allah. And this is the day of forgiveness. And this is the day, as it said, that um, it's the day when the most number of people are freed from hellfire. This is the day that Allah has blessed, the best day of the year. And um, for those who are on Hajj, obviously that's the day that it counts, that really, really counts. So that money you've put in, that effort you've put in, it's happening at that moment in Arafah between Dohar so, so you move from Mina to Arafah. Uh, sorry, from yes, from Mina to Arafah, and that's quite a bit. If you walk, it's quite a distance, but usually it's buses. If you've got with a decent travel, um, you go by bus, and then you spend the the, the day there. So you pray Dhuhr and Asr in Arafah. You make all the du'as possible. You know, this is a point where people who you know, when you hear you're going to Hajj, they say, "Yar, make du'a for me." Then make du'a for people like that <laughs> there as well. Yeah. Make du'a for yourself, for your family, for your community. And asking Allah Subhanahu for forgiveness. In fact, it said that the Prophet وسلم, after after Asr prayer to Maghrib raised his hands. His hands never came down. Basically, he had his hands so outstretched that you could see his armpits showing. You know, it was that it was that intense in the, in the case of the du'a the Prophet وسلم, was making in in Arafah and make it in any language. There's no no restriction. You got to do it just in Arabic or in Urdu or something else. Do it in English, whatever in language you can, you can think in. And that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's Hajj. So you'll be in a haram at that place. In that mount, there's a mountain there called Jabal Rahmah. And it says it's, this is where the Prophet stood. He said, stood and made that dua. So it's quite significant in that place. And also it said, this is the mount where um, 
Rahmah is it's called. This is a meant where um, Adam and Hawa met as well. Um, and it says that from this place as well, this is where Qiyamah will begin as well. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge people from this very place of Arafah. So it's very significant. It is a small area, it's not a big area. So sometimes when you when you go there, you see a boundary. It says Arafah, Arafah starts here and it ends here. So you've got to make sure you're in that boundary as well. So once you've done that, then you leave Arafah um, mm -hmm. at Maghrib time. You don't pray Maghrib in Arafah, you leave. And then you go to a place called Muzdalifah. And Muzdalifah is where you spend the night in the open sky. There's no hotel, no tent. Nothing at all. You, you're not selling it. You're not selling it. No, no, I'm not selling it. But that's 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 the experience right. you've got to have. Um, so you, you you're no. So why why is it? Sorry, why is it that people? Why is it that you have to spend the night out in the open then? Because here, this is. I mean, if you look at the other rituals of of Umrah um, and and Arafah, why do we stand there? Is it because this place is sacred to all the prophets before? Um, this place of Muzdalifah uh, is called Ma'ashar al-Haram as well. This is the place where the Prophet, he himself, himself stopped so, so. and he rested there. And so we follow that sunnah where we rest in Muzdalifah um, that night as the Prophet did. And then from there, once we spend a few hours, um, and trust me, sometimes, believe it or not, people think, oh my God, how am I going to sleep? It's probably the best sleep that you get sometimes <laughs> as well yeah. is in Muzdalifah, trust me. Even if it's just maybe a few hours, but you know what? It's quality for you. Yeah, <laughs> then you get alhamdulillah, then you get up, pay your fajr, and then leave for um for for uh, for Mina. Um and when you get to Mina, you do the stoning of one stone on that day as well. And then from Mina you walk all the way to Mecca. And when you get to Mecca, as well as being mobbed and busy and crazy, you do your thua and your sa'i. So right away you can see there how much walking is involved already. Yep. Um, so it's a lot, it's quite intense. It's a lot of walking involved. Um, and then when you get to Mecca, do your tawaf, do your sa'i. Then usually what you can do is come out for your haram on that day as well. Once your sacrifice is done, because there's four things that need to be done on that day. And that is your tawaf, your sa'i, um, your shaving of the head. Mm -hmm. And um, the stoning. These are the things that need to be done on on that particular day as well. So that's important. These are done, and then once those are done, then you can come out of your haram and go back into your normal clothes. Um, yeah. But however, there's still certain things that you can't do. You can't be intimate with your wife because what you're doing, you're going to go back to Mina. You're not mm -hmm. spend. You know that's not Hajj over yet. You're going back to Mina to spend two more nights in Mina called uh, um, Ayamul Tashrif. So you go back to those day those days. Mm -hmm. Uh, those, those, back to the tents of Mina and spend those two nights there, and then you you, you come back to Makkah. But much uh, much you, much more comfortable though, because you're outside. Out yeah, much more comfortable. You're out here, haram things like that. So you're in the. So Shaki, you mentioned state. the uh, sorry, you mentioned the stoning. So the stoning is, uh, I mean, what is that? Is that, that's one of the rites of the Hajj? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, many of the rites of Hajj, Alhamdulillah, Subhanallah, relate back not to the Prophet Sallallahu but to his great 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 grandfather, the Prophet Ibrahim um, because as we know, he established the foundations of the Kaaba, mm -hmm. um, and the House of Allah you know, owes a lot to the Prophet Ibrahim salam, so to speak, because it was himself and his son Ismail who who did what they did. So as we know, um, many rites of uh, of Hajj are related to the Prophet Ibrahim. So, for example, the Tawaf that we do is something that he did with his son. The Safan Marwa that we do is his wife. You know, Hajar alayhi salam who did the Qurbani, so I forgot to mention Qurbani as the, the sacrifice that we do, yep. is when the Prophet Ibrahim was obliged to sacrifice his son. Um, going to, going to, going to, as I said, um, to, to Mina, again spending the night there, the stoning.
because that's where the Prophet Ibrahim was stopped three times by the shaitan when he was on his way to sacrifice his son. Again, released to the Prophet Ibrahim, and then, and then again, as I said, um, a, a, right, a, a, a right of Hajj that we have to complete. So, Subhanallah, even although we think, you know, our Prophet did Hajj, and our Prophet only did one Hajj as well. He didn't do, you know, sometimes, you know, we get people who'd like to go every year or, you know, I've got to go back. But no, the Prophet did one Hajj. Um, he did a couple of Umrahs, but mainly one Hajj. That's what he did. Um, and that was it. You know, he went, did his hygiene, came back, never went back again. So, um, Chaka, we have uh, we have just over a minute left. So, okay, what, sorry, what, yeah. is the, what is the reward for the Hajj then? The, the reward for Hajj, as we know, is what we're all wanting is that, um, as I said, the day that you return back from Hajj is like the day that you were born again. Like, as you, 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 were, you were, you know, it's like all your sins are forgiven. You know, you think about Tawbah, we think about other ways of asking for Allah for forgiveness. This is the biggest way of asking Allah's forgiveness and Allah's, mm. Allah's you know, repent to Allah is by completing the Hajj. And if you do that, it's a second breath of life. So it's important that, as I said, we do that and remembering that when we're doing our Hajj, why we're doing it is that we hopefully when we come back, that Allah's forgiven all our sins. I should say hopefully we should always come back optimistic that Allah has forgiven our sins and inshallah we carry on our life in a more um, God-conscious way what we say taqwa being more aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's the difference that we have to make when we come back from Hajj as I said just spending that time and effort it's not for any reason other than being called a Hajji you know this Hajji Furan Furan no it's a case of coming back and make a difference in your own life mm-hmm. in some way or another that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jazakallah khair, Brother Shokat. That was, uh, um, subhanAllah, it makes me want to go again. <laughs> inshallah, <laughs> make, Allah, Allah make it easy for us, inshallah. Allah make it easy for uh, all of us Ameen. to try and visit his house again. And especially the situation that we're in at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. We, we absolutely. pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens uh, the doors uh, of his mercy and that uh, he allows us to visit the Hajj and perform the Hajj again yeah. this year. Uh, so thanks again to Brother Shokya. Assalamu alaikum. Um, and thanks for listening to the Ask the Sheikh program. And inshallah, we'll be back again with you Monday to Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. Assalamu